Hey guys, thanks for swinging by our podcast today. We hope this message leaves you encouraged and filled with hope and that Christ and His goodness is meeting your every need. Let me phrase it like this. I think he's just bringing us back to the thing that, that makes us us. Like, like it's, it's like when we, when we began, when we began, we, we said we would say stuff like this, and we still do, that, that the most important person in our church is the presence of the Lord. And, and I still believe that with all of my heart. And, and we'll say, you know, some of you guys get questions like, what's different about your church? And well, some will say, well, we're demonstrative in our worship, we're demonstrative in the way we express ourselves, or, or we, have, we have this, that, or the other. We have, we have someone that, that, we have a great worship team, we have adequate preaching, whatever. <laughs> but we have these things, but really what ought to set us apart is the presence of the Lord. Okay? It's the presence of Jesus. And, and, and nothing, like, like you realize that, that if he's not here, like, I don't want to do this. Like, I've been in those places, and I'm not going to tell you the name, but I've been in those places where I think, like, they're singing about Jesus, and I'm thinking, he left the building a really long time ago. And, and, and I don't want him. And, like, he's all places, all times. Like, we understand that, and, and I'm not going to, like, go back into that. But I want the manifest presence of Christ Jesus in this church because that is what changes lives. That is what, that is, that is what takes someone that is filled with sin and anger and animosity and transforms them, right? That is what brings healing to the broken. That is, that is what brings restoration to bodies is his manifest presence. And so without, a, without the weighty presence of the Lord, then, then we might as well close our doors. But, sorry to give that big long introduction. It's easy in life to get pulled by life. And if I'm honest, if I'm honest, I think we've been pulled recently. Now this will get encouraging, okay? But I think we've been pulled. And, and, and I think that, 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 that myself and, and, and some others, okay, <laughs> we, we, we've gotten distracted and the Lord's saying, I just want you to come back to the thing. And it's not a thing, it's him. But I want you to come back to the thing that, that you started off in the beginning as. And, 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 and I say life pulls. Like bills pull, family pulls, friends pull, relationships pull. And, and like if you're shooting a rocket or a spaceship in the outer space, even if it's off by one centimeter at the very beginning of the launch, by the time it's way, or when, by the time it's all said and done with, it's going to be way off course. And, and, and I just think the Lord's just saying, I, I, I'm bringing you back to the middle. I'm bringing you back to the center instead of where we've been pulled a little bit. And this isn't to be mean. This is just saying it's really, really important that he is the center focus of what we do. All right? See, Psalm 42, 7 says that deep calls out unto deep. And you could translate that as this, is, is that... That the deepest parts of the sea and the deepest parts of the heavens are both crying out for the exact same thing. And, and deep always calls out to deep. You've heard me say this before. That, that if deep calls out to deep, that means shallow calls out to shallow. Which means that the shallow can pull the shallow, right? Like, like, like if I settle, then what I settle for is going to begin to call out for the things that I settle. And, and let me say it like this. Compromise calls out to compromise. <coughs> 
So, so one little compromise calls out to another compromise. And I'm not making this legalistic. I'm just saying it's really, really easy to get off track. And David wrote in the Psalms that deep calls out to deep. Like the deep things of God is calling out to the deepest parts of my heart, calling me back to him. And, and distracted, it calls out to distracted. That's why distracted people distract people. <laughs> it is. Whew. In his presence, it's calling us back to live in his presence, moment by moment by moment. And not just in his presence, but in awareness. Because we can say, we can say he's all places, all times. We understand. Or we know where two or more are gathered. He's promised to be there. But I want to be aware that he's here when he's here, right? Like, it's not good. Like, like I, don't, I don't want to just know it. I want to know it. And we know that faith comes by hearing and hearing the words of Christ. It's not necessarily feeling. But if I can feel it, I want to feel it. If I can experience it, I want to experience it. And by the way, an experience, when you have an experience or when you have an encounter, that's an invitation into a lifestyle. That's not so I can say, I had goosebumps today. It's like, no, this is the invitation to go deeper than you've ever been. All right, look at, look at Matthew 9. This will be the main text. This is a text the Lord uh, showed me this week. that I have read and read and read over the last 12 years. And I've always focused on the second part of this text because I feel like a lot of this is my call, but the Lord just showed something just so, so fresh. But anyway, Matthew 9, verse 14. Hmm. 9, 14. Then the disciples of John came to him asking, why do we and the Pharisees fast and your disciples do not fast? And Jesus said to them, the attendants of the bridegroom cannot mourn as long as the bridegroom is with them, can they? But the days will come when the bridegroom is taken away from them and then they will fast. But no one puts a patch on unshrunk cloth of an old garment for the patch pulls away from the garment and worse, and a worse tear results. Nor do people put new wine into old wineskins, otherwise they burst. And the wine pours out, and the wineskins are ruined, but they put new wine in the fresh wineskins, and both are preserved. So, so I've read this passage of Scripture for the last 12 years. So 12 years is uh, uh, almost 12 years. July 15th will be 12 years following the Lord. But... I've read this passage and I always focused on Gannon to, 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 to really just be a, I, I say this, and this isn't arrogant, this is just the call, but to introduce a church to focus on the present we, we Lord, which doesn't seem like. And so I, like, I've always focused on that thing and like, well, you can't do something new and something old, all this type of stuff. And the Lord just, just blew all over the first part of this passage today regarding the fasting. Now, I'm not going to preach about fasting today, but I'm going to preach about fasting today. Because there, there, is, a, there is a, one, I'll just say this. If you're not fasting, I want to encourage you to start, even if you have no idea why you are. Because there's something, and, and you, don't, you don't fast for breakthrough. You fast so the Lord increases your hunger for more of Him. Okay. All right. So, I read this passage And I felt like the Lord just said, 
I want to focus on the priority of my presence. I want you to do that. See, that's why in verse 14 it says, when the disciples came and asked him, John's disciples came and asked him, John the Baptist, why do we, the Pharisees, why do we and the Pharisees fast, but your disciples do not fast? (laughs) Now, they were fasting every Monday and Thursday. Now, don't hear this as a reason not to fast, okay? Now, but they were fasting every Monday and Thursday, and, and they did it religiously, if you will. And, and, and they were repenting and humbling themselves before God. And, 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 and they could not understand why Jesus' boys and himself were not fasting on this day. Because when they came to him, Jesus and Matt, they was actually having a party if you read the scriptures. But they was having a party at Matthew's house. They were having a great big feast on the day that they were supposed to be fasting. <laughs> and it offended the religious. They said, well... <laughs> We're fasting. (laughs) We're doing this. And they're doing this. Why aren't you all? And I love Jesus' answer because Jesus gives this answer where Jesus essentially says, I, Jesus, and my presence is the only thing that actually matters. It's not about keeping religious duty. And I love religious duty, and I love, I love practices. I love doing things. I, 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 I mean, I, 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 think, I think we need to pray. I think we need to read the Word. I think we need to meditate on the Word. I think we need to fast. Like, I'm not telling us to ignore these things, all right? But if I read to only read, I'm missing the point. If I talk out loud and recite a, a prayer that, that does not touch my heart, I'm praying for the wrong reasons. We pray and we fast and we read so that we can encounter the one that points to this or the one that everything in this points to. This is the key to his heart, if you will. This is who he looks like. This is gazing into the eyes of the one whose eyes burn like fire. When you look at this, it has nothing to do with just written words on a page because he is the written word on a page. And so his presence is the only thing that matters. And then look at his response, verse 15. Jesus said to him, the attendants of the bridegroom cannot mourn as long as the bridegroom is with them, can they? But the days will come and the bridegroom is taken away from them and then they will fast. Now we understand Jesus is the bridegroom. And that's uncomfortable for some of us men, but just get over it, man. Like uh, this, what we're doing here is like wedding rehearsal. And one day there will be a wedding by a glassy sea. And so, so I think I'm going to look pretty good in a dress. And my dress is going to be white. It's going to be white and pure, signifying that I am chaste and untouched. And I'm okay with that. (laughs) Jesus pretty much said, what's the point? Because these men, they're distracted. Again, they're to, listen, listen. Jesus is like within arm's reach of them. And they're fasting. And Jesus is going, now, he didn't call them knuckleheads. This is like the Michael Perkins certified version. But Jesus says, knuckleheads. The one you want is here. 
So why are you fasting? The most important person is in your presence. Therefore, why are you doing this? You're missing the point of why you're doing what you're doing. Because the thing that you're humbling yourself for, the thing that you're crying out for, or the person that you're crying out for, I'm him, and I'm right here. And, and I read this, and I think this is really significant, because the very thing that these men needed was right in front of them. And, and, and I would propose to us this, that the very one that we need is right in front of us. And I would propose this, that sometimes when we get pulled by life and we think, well, if I could just do this, if I could just do that, if I could just get this person to like me, or if I could get just this job, or if I could get X amount of dollars in the bank account, if I could do whatever these things are, then I'm going to be okay. And I'm going to say, no, yeah, those might help your situation momentarily. I'm saying the only thing that really matters is being aware that he is right there. Because he says, repent for the kingdom of heaven is an hand, or he says, he is Emmanuel, God with us. And so if he's with me, then what shall be against me or who shall stand against me, right? And, and so when we become aware that he is there, it changes absolutely everything. We, we, we think I've got to have this to be able to work. I've got to have this to be able to fight. And it's like, no, if we would just realize he's right there. I think we just get so distracted, man. I got so deeply convicted, and, and like, I've, I've made it my vow, if you will. Like, I never want to preach anything that I haven't lived through or where I'm not currently at. I'm just not going, I'm not, I'm not going to. Like, I used to do that. I used to think, well, I have to preach X, Y, and Z because that's what good preachers do. And, like, I, I'm, just, I'm just not going to do it because I don't think it connects because it doesn't come across as authentic. I got so convicted. Like I, I'll, I'll be like, I, pray, I I do pray. I do this probably better than anything else. If I'm honest, I do this probably better than anything else. I do spending time in here. And I got so convicted that the Lord says, "I just want you to spend time with me." And I'm like, I do. <laughs> right? And sarcasm to the Lord isn't a good idea, by the way. Like I do. He says, no, I want you to spend time with me. I'm like, well, I read X amount of hours per day, God. I pray X amount of time per day. And I actually pray off and on all day because I just think my life's a continual prayer. And so I'm like, I'm always talking to you. The Lord says, but you're never just really with me. I knew what he meant. I felt like the Lord was speaking to my heart saying, I just want you to value my presence and just spend time with me. That's like, 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 and it's like with our kids or with our spouses. Like, I don't think you have to do real fancy things all the time. You just got to be together. Enjoy one another's company. And so, so this morning I get up and this was really hard for me this morning because I'm like, it's Sunday, I've, I've got to preach. I've got to have something to say. <laughs> and so, so, like, normally I'll go through my reading time, and then I'll, I'll, I'll get on the laptop and type out some notes. So that's what I do, and I did type out notes eventually. But I felt like the Lord said, just be with me today. And so I go downstairs to my chair, and, and I, just, I just sat. 
just did this. I sat in my chair, and like I have everything right there, and I'm like, I'm, I'm ready, <laughs> you know. And the Lord says, I just want you to be with me. I just want you to be with me. And I, I got so convicted over that this week that, that rather than try and hurry through a task, that I'm just going to be with the Lord because his presence is more important than anything else. And be, because his, he is a real person. He is a real person. Grant, we can't see him, but you can see him. And so when I say that I'm going to spend time with him, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not spending time with someone that's in outer space. I'm spending time with someone that's in the room with me. And so, so I, I just sat there. And it was hard for a few minutes. I'll be like, I'm like, because I'm like, should, what, should I pray? No. Should I read? No. Just sit with me. It's like, how many, how many of you married folk can sit in a room with your spouse and not say a word, but actually just enjoy each other's company? I'm going to have to do some marriage counseling because only one of you has raised a hand. <laughs> and so I just, I finally, I just said, I was like, all right. And so I just leaned back. Just leaned back and reclined and just sat there. And within a few minutes, it was just like the presence of the Lord just flooded the room. And I wasn't asking anything. I feel him right now. I wasn't asking anything. I wasn't doing anything. I was just enjoying him. But we can't do that if we're distracted. Now, I say that, these guys didn't realize who was there with them. And, and I can't help but think that they probably would have enjoyed this conversation with him much more if they would have realized who was with them. Hmm. Jesus goes on and says, The attendants of the bridegroom cannot mourn as long as the bridegroom is with them, can they? So at this point in time, Jesus is saying, there's no point in fasting because I'm still here. Now, let me change it, change it up a little bit. He eventually dies, and he eventually goes to heaven. And he's here, like his presence is here, his spirit's here. But I don't think he intended his bride to fast until he was gone. Because what he's saying is this. Hmm. Well, let me, let me just read my bullet point line because this helps it. Absence of presence creates an ache. Fifteen, and Jesus said, the attendants of the bridegroom cannot mourn unless the bridegroom is with them, can they? But the days will come when the bridegroom is taken from them, and they will, they will fast. Mourn means to be sad, means to be sorrowful, it means to grieve, and it means to ache. And, and, and the, 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 the bride won't ache if... The bride won't ache. Let me phrase it like the bride will not ache 
if the bridegroom is with them. But if they're separated, there's an aching. And this aching, this aching causes a longing. And it's like that, like I just I was gone for 10 days and, and I mourned for the presence of my wife and my son. I, like I ached for my wife. Like I, it's like, like it was hard. Like it was much, I'll be honest, it was much harder than I thought it was gonna be. And we were talking every day on the phone, multiple times a day. But there's something about being in her company and her presence that changes things. And so, so I think this is a picture of how we can live right here and right now. Now, I don't believe we're supposed to walk around all, all the days of our life with sackcloth and ashes mourning, okay? But I believe that we can live our life with this ache where we're like, Lord Jesus, we need you and I need more of you. That's why in Revelations chapter 22, it says the spirit and the bride say, come. The spirit and the bride say, come. Now, so, 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 and that's like right at the very end of the book, right? So after everything's happened, the spirit, the Holy Spirit and the bride, which is us, we're saying, come Lord Jesus. Now, now, you could read that and interpret that multiple ways, like Jesus, come back soon. But we obviously have things that we need to accomplish on the planet before he comes back. So I think it's illegal for us to say, hurry and save us from the planet. You've heard me poke fun at this all the time. Hurry and save me from the planet, you know, to hell with everyone else and to heaven with me. No, but, but, but what I believe this is saying is we can say, look, we understand that you're there. But we're asking that you make yourself or make us aware that you are here. And I believe that we can live. (coughs) I believe that we can live aching for more of his presence in our life. I believe that we can live uh, 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 essentially obsessing over him. And so so before. (laughs) Good grief, Jesus. I don't want to do anything at all in my life without him being part of it. I don't want to do church without asking him to join it. (laughs) I don't want to do this without asking him to lead it, guide it, or direct it. And we've gotten really good about being, of, uh, of doing things like that. I don't want to make a single decision without asking him to come into the decision. And, and so like he has to be the central focus of absolutely everything. So the ache should be central in our lives. That's why in Exodus 33, I love this. Exodus 33, Moses, he's, he's <coughs> getting ready to, uh, uh, you know, he's leading the Israelites out of captivity. And, and then he said to him, this is what the, Moses said to the Lord. He said, if your present doesn't go with us, do not lead us up from there. For how can it be known that I have found favor in your sight, I and your people? Is it not by your going with us so that we, I and your people, may be distinguished from all the other people who are upon the face of the earth? Like that ache, like Lord be with me. Lord, make yourself known. Lord, 
Make me aware that you're here. That ache ought to be the central focus of our life. See, he says, do not, don't, don't send me to the promised land. The promised land isn't the promised land if the Lord's not there. Heaven isn't heaven if he's not there. It's not. Hell is the definition of where he's not at, right? And so Moses is saying, don't leave me anywhere where you're not, Lord. And, and I, but church, I, I just think the Lord is wanting us to get back to the simple, simple thing that without you and without your manifest presence, we do not want to do anything at all. Like all these other things are wonderful. I, I'd, and I could list a litany of things. But without him, we're toast. Hmm. You see, the Lord's presence is our guide. The Lord's presence is, is our source. The Lord's presence is our validation, by the way. So many are looking for validation and all kinds of stuff. And, and the Lord's like, if, if you would just get a greater degree of my presence, that is all the validation that you absolutely need. And his presence is what sets us apart. The Lord's presence is what ought to set this church apart. Because he wants to be near. And he wants us to know him. He wants us to seek him out. You know, he, he does. He, he loves to be sought out. He loves to be pursued. But he also loves to make himself known. Because it's, it's legitimately what marks us as the people of God. What marks us as the people of God isn't if we wear Christian t-shirts or Christian clothes. What makes us the people of God is not... If we have Christian bumper stickers, what makes us the people of God isn't if we post a Bible verse that we Googled on the Facebook, right? What, what makes us Christian people is that he is with us. Moses didn't want to do anything without his presence. Now let me do this. I, I think this is a lot better than we're responding today. I'm just saying. And his, his, his presence or this ache should cause us to follow no matter what the cost is. So, so I say this ache and it's this longing for more. So, so like, because I know like the propensity is, well, I give my life to Jesus. Well, I, there's more. We never stop growing. And, and you're going to spend all of eternity getting to know him. And even when you spend all of eternity getting to know him, there's still going to be more to get to know. And so, so it's just this beautiful, beautiful thing. But, but, but I think we need to get to the point where, like, even when we get pulled or distracted, we don't stop pressing in for more of him. See, that's why, and look at, look at Numbers 9. I've been reading through Numbers recently. And I have probably cried more through the book of Numbers than I've cried through anything in a really long time. But verse, Numbers 9 verse 15 says this, Now on the day that the tabernacle was erected, the cloud covered the tabernacle and the tents of the testimony. And in the evening it was the appearance of fire over the tabernacle until morning. So, so in this story, 
God's manifest presence would come during the day as a cloud. He wasn't the cloud. He was in the cloud. And then at night, he would come as fire over them. And so here's this picture of God being in the middle of their camp. Now, it goes on to say this. <clears throat> so it was continuously. So it was his presence was never not there. It was continuously, the cloud would cover it by day and the appearance of fire by night. And whenever the cloud was lifted from the tent, afterwards the sons of Israel would set out. And in the place where the cloud had settled down, there they would camp. So verse 17, it says that, so, so first of all, it says that the, the cloud would come and the fire would come, depending on what time of day it was. And it says that when it lifted that they would depart. And wherever it settled, they would settle. Like, do you realize what a logistical nightmare this would have been? Now, if you total up the number of the Israelites in the book of Numbers, it's about 600,000. But if you count the women and estimated children, depends on what scholar you read, it was anywhere between 2 and 6 million people that Moses led from captivity. So every time... Every time the, the cloud went and was right here and moved to right here, let's say just conservatively two million people had to move from over there to right here. Like, like I mean, T Taylor's got a couple kids today. I mean, that's like herding cats, right? And could you imagine two million people? And they did it. Now, it goes on to say in this text that sometimes the cloud or the, the cloud would move in the middle of the day because it wasn't like, oh, it's 3 o'clock, it's time to move on. Sometimes it'd move at 3 in the afternoon. Sometimes the fire would move when it was night in the middle of the night. And it said they didn't wait to go the moment it did it. So that would mean that in the middle of the night when you're sleeping and you have all your kids asleep, and you just got them asleep, the fire goes and moves on. It's like, well, the fire of the Lord moved, the presence of the Lord moved, we need to go move right here and right now as well. So it didn't matter the time, and it didn't matter the location, they just went. And so I think that's a costly, costly picture of what it shows to actually follow the Lord's presence, because it's not always convenient for us, but it's always convenient for Him. Now, even though it's not convenient for us, I promise you it's always the best time for us, too. Right? Because when the Lord speaks, we want to respond right then and there because it's always much better if we respond immediately. How many of the Lord, let me let's just say it like this. Has the Lord ever spoken to anyone to do something and you didn't do it immediately and ended up hurting you? Yeah. <laughs> or you had, you had consequences that you had to deal with if you hadn't have delayed. And I'm not saying the Lord's mean. I'm just saying we're better off just to follow him right then and there. So, so there's a cost to this. And, 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 and so they did. <coughs> now, I love this. Oh, do, do, do. verse 18. And the command of the Lord, the sons of Israel would set out. And, the command, and at the command of the Lord, they would camp as long as the clouds settled, settled over the tabernacle. They remain, remained camped. Even when the cloud lingered over the tabernacle for many days, the sons of Israel would keep the Lord's charge and not set out. 
If sometimes the cloud remained a few days over the tabernacle, according to the command of the Lord, they remained camp. Then according to the command of the Lord, they set out. If sometimes the, <laughs> if sometimes the cloud remained from evening until morning, when the cloud was lifted in the morning, they would move out. And if it remained in the daytime and at night, whenever it was lifted, they would set out. Whenever, whether it was two days or a month or a year, that the cloud lingered over the tabernacle, staying above it, the sons of Israel, Israel remained camped. It did not set out. But when it was lifted, they did set out. At the command of verse 23, last verse. At the command of the Lord, they camped. And at the command of the Lord, they set out. They kept the Lord's charge according to the command of, Mo, of, of the Lord through Moses. So not only was it a logistical nightmare, and not, all, not only was it could happen any time of the day, sometimes it was a really long time they had to wait there. And sometimes it was just momentarily. You know, sometimes the Lord doesn't want to move on, and we're ready to move on. Sometimes even like, that's why sometimes we can do a song for 20 minutes here. It's not because Logan doesn't know any other songs. <laughs> what if it's actually the Lord's just moving in that moment and we don't want to move on? Because it's not about what's ministering to me in the moment. It's what's ministering to the Lord's heart. You see, I think that we can live our life now, he, I may not see a cloud and I may not see a fire, but I'm going to do my best, my best to see and hear what the Lord is saying and what the Lord is doing. And I'm going to do my best to discern what he's doing. And, and if he wants us to move on, I'm going to move on. If he wants me to stay and linger, I'm going to stay and linger. And not just in church, but in my day-to-day -day life. If I have a financial decision, but I feel like the Lord's just kind of brooding and waiting and wait I'm not going to make a move until the Lord speaks you understand what I'm saying if I've got a if I've got a, if the Lord moves from here to here and it's it's a relationship issue with someone but I feel like he's doing that I'm going to do whatever the Lord speaks I'm going to go wherever the Lord goes leading my family it's it's like I'm just not going to compromise on this that that whatever the Lord is speaking over my family's life, even if it's hard and even if it costs us, I'm going to do it to the best of my ability, even if it hurts us. Because what he is doing and what he wants to do is far more important and probably far more above my ability to understand. And, and I believe as a people, he's just saying, would you just follow my cloud again? Would you just follow my cloud again? Now, here's what I want to separate me. Here, here's what I want to separate me and separate us is the Israelites were really good at complaining throughout the wilderness experience. In Numbers, they get upset. It's right after Miriam dies. And Miriam dies and the Israelites are like, they tell Moses, you've led us to a place where there's no water.
And so what does Moses do? He takes a staff and pops the rock and water comes out and six million people or two million people get the water that they need. But there was also this other instance that happened in Numbers. I love it. I love it. There was also this other thing that happened in Numbers. There was almost an insurrection. Like they rounded up these 140, um, I could be wrong, but over 100 different leaders tried to overthrow Moses because they didn't understand why he was taking him into this place and all Moses was doing was following the cloud. And so they come to him and say, you're no longer fit to lead. You're no longer fit to rule. And Moses says, well, that's fine. What we're going to do is I want to bring a sacrifice. You bring a sacrifice to the Lord. And whichever sacrifice the Lord consumes, that's who's going to be in charge. I think that's pretty incredible, right? I mean, it's like, well, let's just lay it all out on the table. And so, so they do this, and the Lord comes and consumes Moses's. And then the Lord basically says, back away from all the other people. And it says that the earth opened up, and he swallowed everyone else. He not only swallowed the, the men that led the insurrection, but he swallowed up all their families, and it also says that he swallowed up all their possessions, making it to like they never existed. Now, I'm not telling you that to say, follow me blindly. I'm telling you that, that there is a price to pay when we don't follow his presence. And when we think that we know better than he knows. And so, like, like I know this is a weird sermon, and there is no, there is no preacherly flow whatsoever today. I don't care. What would it look like What would it look like if we could live our life so confident that we were following the Lord like Moses was? That's like, that's fine. You all, you do what you want. You put your sacrifice there. I know, God, I know I'm following the Lord. I know moment by moment when that clap, we're gone. I know when it, it, it stays, we're staying. What would it look like? I, I, I actually think it's possible. And if it wasn't possible, if it was not possible, I don't believe it'd be in the Word. And, and if it wasn't possible, He wouldn't have sent His Holy Spirit who lives inside of us. If it wasn't possible, He wouldn't have given us the mind of Christ. If it wasn't possible, He wouldn't transform our our minds by the renewing of our mind, right? If it wasn't possible, he wouldn't speak to our hearts. If it, if it wasn't possible, he, he, he wouldn't be the one that gives you peace beyond all understanding. And, and, and oftentimes direction is found in peace. Like if it wasn't possible, none of those things would be in the word, but it is possible. And as a church, I just think the Lord's just calling us right back to that central focus. It's just all about him. So here, here's, here's the last point, and this won't take very long, because this is how we'll land it. If I go back to that text, if I go back to that first text in Matthew, 9 verse 14, 
says, Then the disciples of John came to him asking, Why do we and the Pharisees fast, but your disciples do not fast? The, the tense of verbiage that they use for the word fast, it insinuates that not only were they not fasting, they were having a party. Let me say it again. When they asked him, why are you not fasting? The way that word is written in the Greek means... <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> Charlie. It means, why are you not only fasting, but why are you all partying? I think, I think that's a picture of what happens when we're not responding to the one that's present. It's not that you're having a party. It's that you're going to miss out on what he's doing right here and right now if you're so focused on X, Y, and Z. Because let's be honest, like the Lord really wants you to enjoy him. Really, really wants you to join him. Now, it's not all suffering. You will suffer if you follow him. He promises that. But you will be filled with joy. I, too, too often, <laughs> too often we, we miss out on what the Lord's doing because of whatever, just rigmarole, if you will. <laughs> Let me get right back here. I actually read this. It says, The tents for fast indicates that there was a feast going on in the house of Matthew at the very time when they were fasting. And, and this feast wasn't just like a two-hour feast. This was supposed to be an extended feast. Instead of feasting with Jesus, who was present, they wanted to fast. They wanted to mourn. And I'm just going to finish with this. Don't allow things in our life or our church that cause us to miss out on feasting with him. Thanks for listening to this week's message. The goal of River City Hope Church is to provide as many resources as we can for free. If you'd like to support this ministry, go to HopeForRiverCity.com. Again, that's Hope, the number four, RiverCity.com.